This morning we, we, we get to have a, uh, another instrument of God, uh, a new friend of mine over this last year. Uh, his name's Dylan Robinson. He's going to come up here and, and bring God's word for us this morning. I, uh, I, I, I know his father-in-law. I used to run with his father-in-law and his, his uncle in the summers when I would go with my grandparents in Missouri. And I'll tell you this, he definitely married up. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Uh, and what I did, I gave him an Oregon welcome yesterday. I took him to Pacific City, and uh, we ate at the at Pelican's Pub there. Had a great location, got him well fed. And I said, let's, let's just take a walk up a little, like a little dune, you know what I mean? And, uh, and, so, and so he got to experience that, and he's sucking air. And I'm like, dude, I'm 53, you're 27, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? He's like, you just fed me. I said, I ate too. He made it to the top. He took some pictures, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just so glad that God saved him. He didn't grow up in a Christian home. You'll hear about that. His, he had a rough life. He was sleeping in people's homes when he was a teen. He didn't have a place to go. But somebody was praying for him. Some of his fellow high school students prayed for him. God heard that. God moved. God gave him some godparents, changed his life forever. And now he just can't stop talking about Jesus. So come on, Dylan, come on up here. It's just welcome him. May you receive what God speaks through him this morning. Well, good morning, church. If you love Jesus, say amen. That's why we're here, right? I was waiting for him to say something about that experience yesterday of walking up the hill and where I was out of breath, but to give you some context, because as a preacher, context is key. He started giving me his burger and told me to get this soup and all this, and I'm just taking him at his word, being like, it's great food. But he had a plan. He wanted to make me look bad walking up that hill. So there's your context, okay? But no, hey, um, we've been here the past you know, few days uh, for assembly, and, and I shared this last service, but uh, the first night of assembly when I was here, I came in and you know, I've been to a lot of district assemblies. I've traveled uh, around a lot and I, I didn't know what to expect. And I got here and I, I left the service and I texted my pastor and said, I just went to the greatest district assembly service that I've ever been to. She said, really, what'd you guys do? I said, it's crazy. We prayed. <laughs> Who knows there's power in prayer, amen? And I want you to know, and I'm not just saying this, you have some of the greatest leaders in this couple right here all across the denomination. And so let's give credit where credit's due. Man, we're thankful for you, man. <laughs> he asked if I would say that, so we got that out of the way, and we're going to move on. Uh, I got jokes, too. But, um, but man, it's, it's an honor to be here, and, and this is a powerful, powerful place. And it's a powerful place not because of the building, but because of the Spirit of God that resides within it. Because the church is not the building, it's the people, amen? Amen. When we all come together, the community gets better. And see, it's a pretty significant day in our church calendar, if you will. Today is the day of Pentecost, right? And if, if, you, weren't, if you didn't grow up in church like me, you, didn't, you, you heard all this Christianese, you're like, what does that even mean? But see, after Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, hey, hold on, I'm going to you know, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And I feel like Peter was like, the Holy who? And he's like, don't worry about it, Peter, just be ready, right? And so they're sitting there in Jerusalem in the upper room, and they're waiting for the Holy Spirit, whatever that means, to calm down, Right? And they're sitting there and they're praying and, and, you know, knowing Peter, and I'm not saying it's in the text, but I'm sure a lot like me, because I can relate with Peter, where you say something and you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that, right? He's sitting there and I'm sure he, probably, he was probably getting a little bit restless and all of a sudden the Spirit of God fell down upon the disciples in that upper room. And it became so strong that, that people from all over began to, to you know, come, say, what's going on? And they accused him of being drunk. And Peter's like, no, it's, I'm drunk on the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? And, and then something incredible happened. The power of God was present in that moment. And, and Peter, knowing that, man, he, he messed up. He, he denied Jesus three times. And, and all this took place. And he was in Jerusalem waiting for the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit fell upon him. And in that moment, Peter was ready for it. He stepped up full of the Holy Spirit, and he began to preach. And on that day, 3,000 people got saved, and that was the start of the church of God. And then 5,000, and then the, they formed a community of believers, and it was incredible what took place. And because Peter was ready for that moment, and the disciples were ready for that moment, and they took the Great Commission literally, here we are 2,000 plus years later, and the same spirit then is the same spirit here, and God is still changing lives, church. It's incredible. See, it's not just some historical event that took place. Our God is alive now as ever. 
And if the same God then is the same God now, who knows the same God who, who brought about revivals in the past can bring about revival now? I, I just believe that. And so that's what I want to do today. I want to look at this idea of being ready. Be ready. Because who knows, just as Jesus came, he's coming again. Aren't you thankful for that? Right? Like he came, but he's coming again. And so what do we do between the in-between? Right? What do we do in the in-between? Well, we got to be ready. We know that Jesus is coming and, and we know that, man, whether it's he, he comes, the rapture comes and we're here or if, it's dead, if we're dead and then eventually, you know, we will go and be with Jesus. But as the church today, if you are a human being, which means you have breath in your lungs, okay, you're not dead. That means that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And he has a plan and purpose for this church. And so sometimes we need to take a step back and say, why are we going to church? Why, why are we doing this? Why are we singing songs? Why, why are we doing all these things around the room? It's because God is trying to get the church ready for his arrival. And guess what? The church is not just this place. It's all around us where the church needs to leave the building and go and make new disciples. Can I get an Amen. Well, like, like our heart has to break for these things and we must be ready. See, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says this, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about it, your hope as a believer, okay, not your favorite sports team, always be ready to explain it. Simple question, rhetorical. Has anyone ever asked you why you are the, the way you are? You're like, all the time. No, I mean your faith. Like, like, has anybody ever just watched the way that you live your life and not because you just, you know, share of how spiritual you are and how often you read the Bible and pray? No, no, I mean, when it's not just the living word here in the Bible, but the living word through your life. Have you ever had somebody say, what do you, what do you have? What are you talking about? Like, like, there's something about you, right? I'm like, there's a lot about me, believe me. But no, doing there's something different. I'm not saying it happens all the time, but I truly believe that it's not about us. It's about what God has done in us. And I'll share in a moment how Jesus has changed my life. But I just have the audacity to believe that like Peter and like the disciples, we can be ready for the spirit of God to consume our lives in such a, a way where people around us who don't know Jesus say, I want what he or she has. Like I truly believe that God can do that. And, and the question is not, can God do it? It's, will we allow him to do it? Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit resides within us. It's not Dylan doing it. It's the Spirit through us. And so will we be a pure vessel where the Spirit of God will rest upon each and every believer and say, man, I'm going to do incredible things through them, not for their glory, but for his glory. So we have to ask the question, are we ready? Like, like I'm just curious today. Is this church, Church on the Hill, ready for a move of God? Yeah. Like, and, and sometimes we check the box, yep, I've been to church, or I've done that, and that's awesome. Praise God. But I'm talking that nitty-gritty, ugly, man, when you just day in and day out, not just Sunday, but Monday through Sunday, you have been to church. You have went out, and you're ready for Monday morning, even when everybody else says, oh, this sucks, right? You say, no, God is faithful even on Mondays. And then when you live that life, it changes the way that you view life. Because it's not just, I, I can't wait for the weekend. I, I can't wait for the vacation. It's saying, man, I'm here to bring about God's glory upon this earth. And so let's just invite God in here right now and say, God, would you do what only you can do? So, Father, we love you. I'm thankful for who you are, and I'm, I'm honored to be here. God, I'm, I'm thankful for the leadership of this church, God, and they have incredible leaders from the top down, and God, this is the church that lives it out. And so these are not people who this is a foreign concept to, but however, we all need to be stretched. We all need to ask the question. I need to ask the question. Lord, as I leave here today, as, you, if you're gonna, as you have me around the people who I will come in contact with, what's my life reflect? God, do, do we want people to know Jesus so bad that we'll do whatever we can to tell them about it. So Lord, we just invite you in this place. We love you and pray this in your name and all God's people said a big, amen. amen. Before I was a Christian, man, I, I grew up in a, in a very rough situation. My dad was a professional boxer, fought on HBO, ESPN. He was known as a tough guy from around town, right? My mom was a model, beautiful 
young lady, it seemed like everything was great on the outside, but the inside was a different story. We grew up in a trailer out in the middle of nowhere, and, and I remember some of my earliest moments as a kid. I'd just be playing you know, you know, my games and Legos and so I, I hated Legos, but I played with them and did all that stuff, and you know, just like another little kid and, and just living life, right? But about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, man, just about every single night, things would begin to change. The atmosphere in the room would change. I would hear my mom begin to argue with my dad, and it wasn't just about bills. It was things that you know, no kid should hear, and I'm like, man, what's going to happen? And all of a sudden, I would hear, boom, somebody get slammed against the wall, and somebody screaming and, and, and yelling, and, and just the words that came out, their mouths were so terrible. I remember just covering my, covering my ears as I went to sleep, just, just crying. I didn't know there was a God in heaven who loved me. I didn't know if anybody could help me, and it was just you know, some, some very hard moments. In fifth grade, my parents divorced on Valentine's Day, right? What a great day to, you know, divorce. They split up, and I came home, and my mom was packing, out her, you know, packing up her stuff and leaving. And though it was a hard situation, those were my parents, and I loved my parents. But then my mom began to, to date different drug dealers. I, I remember staying in kingpin uh, cocaine dealer you know, houses. I remember being in, in, in meth-infested homes. You name it, I saw it. I remember seeing these tables with dope bags on the, on the table with syringes and counterfeit money and, and all these things. My mom would wake me up in the middle of the night because her and her boyfriend were, were fighting and he was about to kill her and man, we would just run. And I'd be in these situations where you know, no kid should be and it, and it terrified me, but there was one individual who my mom was dating who I just, every time I was around him, I had a bad feeling. I just knew, man, this guy was different. I'm at a baseball tournament, I come back home and somebody knocks on the door and this individual walks in and looked like my mother, sounded like my mother, was my mother, I just couldn't recognize it as my mother. My mom was beat so bad I couldn't recognize her. Her face was out to here and all this and this once beautiful person was unrecognizable. And as a sixth grader, I look at her and I said, Mama, what happened to you? Stitches all over her face and all this. She said a phrase I'll never forget. She said, baby... I'm so much better. And that little sixth grader, something ticked within me that changed my perspective. I said, what do you mean you're so much better? I said, look at you, Ma. The guy about killed her. And man, at that young age, that's when the, the anger came upon me, man. That's when I was just, you know, going to begin to just act out in this anger. And so, man, as time went on, my dad continued to fight, not, out, not in the ring, but now at home with his new girlfriend. I remember one night watching her get drugged up the stairs by her hair and her asking me to hide her. And I would put my brothers in you know, my chest and tell them, hey, it's going to be okay, though I did not know if it was going to be okay. So at the age of 14, to begin to numb myself, I begin to use drugs. And by the age of 16, it's completely taking over my life. I'm about to drop out of high school. I was you know, good at sports, and I, my work ethic was going downhill. I got put on house arrest, right? And watch, you can't make this up. I was on house arrest watching the show Cops. You can't make that up, right? Think about the irony in that, right? If you don't know what house arrest is, congratulations. You're a good citizen. But that was my life. People knew my last name. They, they knew who I was. But, man, it's just kind of Dylan. That, he's a Robinson. But aren't you so thankful we have a but in our salvation story, Right? On February 21st of 2010, God radically transformed my life. And fast forward 11 years later today, saved and sober, and God's redeeming my family tree. Amen. To God be the glory. There were zero people in my family who followed Jesus when I got saved. And now there's 10 biological family members who worshiped at the church that I helped plant today. And they're sober. And God is winning out in my family. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. But see, I, I tell you that here today because when God transformed my life, I was blown away about this message of freedom. Somebody yelled out freedom earlier and who God is. You better believe he's freedom because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you can find freedom at this church. Talk to Dave afterwards. Don't get you plugged into a group. Right? But I'm here today to talk to you about this idea of being ready. See, when, when, when I found this, this, this thing called, called God, should I say God found me and changed my life, I began to realize that, man, th those around me who've been in the church a long time didn't quite take this as serious as I thought they would. Because 
they, they would recount when God changed their life when they were a young person or you know, an older person. That was great. And along the way, they just kind of got caught up in just the, the busyness of life. And listen, I understand that every story is different. My story is not your story, vice versa. But we all have a story. And each and every one of our stories should reflect God's transformation in our lives. And so when we understand that we were once in bondage, but now we're in freedom, we should just have this excitement to tell anybody and everybody, be ready, Jesus is coming. And not only is it about all of eternity in heaven or hell, listen, there is a heaven, there is a hell, there is a God, there is an enemy named Satan, and the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And if there is good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that means there's bad news, which means you can be separated from God for all of eternity. And when we understand that as the church, no longer do we just go to the church and sing kumbaya and go through the, the hoots. We know that we are in a spiritual war where we are going to go on mission on purpose, on purpose of saying, who can I share the gospel with today? And so our focus today is this, if you're taking notes, because there's a higher place in heaven for those that take notes. <laughs> Kidding, kind of. It says, we must always be ready to explain the reason for our lives in the hope that we have in Jesus. Are you the salt and light in your community? Like, like when you walk in, is somebody dodging you? If so, there's your cue. Like, like, is there something about your life, man, where people are intrigued by it? See, we're not all called to be preachers. We're not all called to be in the full-time ministry. But I believe, and, and Dave can correct me if I'm wrong later, but we're all called to be ministers of the gospel in the workplaces, in the families that we're put in. If you agree, say amen. I only ask that because he affirmed it, so that's why I asked you. Like, I believe that, that, that God knew that you were going to be here today, that God knew that in the midst of a pandemic, you were going to be here. And so if we understand that, man, God knew us before our mama knew us. He knew us in the womb. He knows the hairs within our bodies. And when we understand that God is so personable, it helps us begin to realize that, man, he wants to use us for his glory. So Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15 says this. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Man, good news is good. If you want bad news, just log on to social media. But man, the good news, which is the word of God, is good every single time. Now, God never promised us that we would never have trials or tribulations, but he promised us he would be there with us. When God transformed my life, man, I stayed from house to house with different friends, and I had no one in my family that were following the Lord. And so when I followed, began to follow God, it was the cool thing. In school, it was cool now to follow Jesus, right? The, the, the popular kids, the, you know, the tough kids and all that. Man, we, we, you know, we were following Jesus, and so it was cool. It was cool. But all of a sudden, it wasn't so cool anymore. People began to go back to the drugs and go back to their lifestyle, and I had to make a decision. Will I follow God or will I follow the world? And let me tell you something. There's no fight like the good fight of faith. And you can, man, you can check all the boxes. You can say whatever, but I'm telling you, there will come a point in time where God is going to ask you, sir, ma'am, are you going to follow me or follow them? And what's crazy about that, for 16 years of my life, I was a slave to sin. I was one of Satan's minions, which I did not realize. And I thought that nobody was going to tell me what to do. And that meant nobody was going to you know, put chains on me. I'm free. But what I didn't realize was my freedom was not actually freedom. It was slavery. But when I became a slave to righteousness... It changed the way that I talked. It changed the way that I did life. But it was not about rules and regulations. See, still today, don't judge me here, I don't like rules. Anybody with me, right? Some of you are judging me right now. Well, I'll pray for you, right? I'll pray for you too. Don't like them. Never have. And I was in this class one time, and this is after the Jesus high wore off and all my friends went back to the drugs. I'm sitting there, and there was this, rough kid in school you know we didn't roll around the same group but I knew who he was and vice versa and he goes 
I was like, he goes, I got to ask. I said, ask away. He goes, why are you still following the Jesus rules? I was like, what are you talking about? He said, D, he said, you are the most unruly person I had ever met. He goes, nobody could tell you anything. He goes, and then you begin to follow Jesus, right? And, and, and all your friends begin to follow Jesus, and they all continue to go down this route. But now here you are, and it's like you're still doing the rules. Why? I said, brother, I said, that's where you missed it. It's not about rules. It's about love. Because the Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. I said, so see, I, it's not about, oh, how God do I follow you? It's God, how do I love you? And what's crazy is the byproduct of God's love in me changes the way that I live my life. And so we live in a culture today, and especially my generation. Listen, you can speak bad about my generation because I am, right? Where it's, I'm not going to be told this. I'm not going to be told this. And we're freedom, right? Fight for freedom. That's awesome. There's a place and time for that. But can I tell you, there is no freedom outside of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the one who truly sets us free. And if we understand that so many people around us are living in bondage, why do we not go and share the good news and, and take our feet, the beautiful feet of the messengers, and share that there's a God who loves them. Because what I've learned in my 11 years of being a Christian is it's not a knowledge problem. It's, it, it, it's a heart problem. That a lot of people in the church know it. Listen, books are great. Worship albums are great. Conferences are great. But there comes a point in time where you say, you know what? I'm going to live out what I know. Because when you begin to live out what you know, it changes everything around us. And if I, if I was so outspoken about my lifestyle before, how much do I hate somebody now to not tell them the good news? Dylan, that's strong language. You better believe it is. And I know exactly what I said. And I mean it with all my heart. I'm not saying that everywhere we go, we have to go and say, are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? But it's as we go about our daily lives and as God places those around us, we naturally begin to, to be the salt and light to the earth and make sure that people know that, listen, we, we are you know, Cardinals fans, right? Well, like St. Louis Cardinals, right? They're, we're awesome. But man, more than that, I hope that they know that Jesus Christ is the number one thing in my life. But man, we've got to get the burden of God down within us. Isaiah 6, 8 through 9 says this. It says, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Whom will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go. Aren't you thankful for a God that sends us out? Like, I'm so glad that God didn't just say, well, you got to do this and this and this. He allows us to wrestle with that calling of God upon our life. And then he says, will you trust me enough to embrace the call? See, when I got saved and God transformed my life, okay, I was set free from, from the drugs and this lifestyle and all that, but there were some emotional things I had to go through. And so I was going through that, right, and, and, and walking through that. And, and then I was like, oh, wait, what am I going to do with my life? It's a key question, right? I was dating a girl at the time, and, and God ended up changing her life after, you know, we were, after I got saved. And so her parents, though, were not followers of Jesus at all. And her dad rightfully so, came up to me, and he's a pretty guy, big guy, and he towered over me and said, son, I want to ask you something. I said, yes, sir. He goes, what are you going to do with your life? I told him, that's a great question. No, I didn't say that. He's looking at me, and I felt about that small. You ever been in those situations where you're like, got me there? And I was contemplating that. I felt about that small, and obviously pride and insecurity came up within me, and all of a sudden I just felt the Holy Spirit come over me, gave me this peace, and I looked at him. I said, sir, and I mean, with all my heart, I will do whatever Jesus tells me to do. I felt about that big. He goes, well, what's funny, we, we ended up, I, I no longer date his daughter, but however, we're, her daughter's actually on my staff back home now, which is funny. But here's what's cool, a year later, I'm at my brother's baseball game because I was a pastor. I was in town, watched my little brother play baseball, and my ex-girlfriend's um, little brother played on the same team. And 
So the dad walks over, and he just is walking, and at this time, God had changed his life recently, and he came up to me and goes, I knew you could do it. I go, you're lying. <laughs> you're just thankful we're not together now, right? But I tell you that here today because I felt that big. Uh, there was no Pastor Dylan. There was no successful church plant. There was no evangelism. There was no anything. There was no book. There was nothing like that. There was nothing that said, man, that guy can do something for God. I felt that big. I wasn't a lawyer like him. But I was willing. And an NYC, which is Nazarene Youth Convention 2011, which is the year I graduated, man, Francis Chan was speaking. I'll never forget it. God said, Dylan, I'm calling you to be a messenger for me. I said, God, I cannot speak. If you heard me back then, man, I, I mumbled terribly. I could not get a thought out. I, I just would stutter and stutter. I could not talk. And so when God told me to do that, I was not like Isaiah saying, here I am. God said that. I said, here I'm not. Right? But God said, Dylan, will you trust me? I said, I will trust you, Lord, but you're going to have to help me. And I'll never forget my first sermon. I stood before this church, and I'm a pretty pale individual, but I'm telling you, I was so white, I was about to pass out. And I was just shaking. And right before I got up, John looked over at me, which is my youth pastor's husband, and he goes, how are you going to do this? I was like, thanks for the motivation, man. <laughs> thanks. And I get up. And I'm not saying it was great. It wasn't great. But what happened was just like Pentecost, not the same sense, but the spirit fell on me. And as I was talking, it wasn't me talking. It was the spirit of God. And then people came down and rushed to the altar. And what God told me right there was said, Dylan, I, it's not about you. It's never been about you. It's just you being willing to be sold out and say, here I am, send me. You tell me where to go, I'll go. You tell me what to do, I will do it. You tell me what to say, I will say it. And I wonder if here today, man, if God is raising up a remnant in McMin McMinnville, Oregon to say, man, here I am. I am, Lord, send me, send me to the workplace, send me to the family, send me to the church, God. I want your will to be done. I want lives to be transformed. And when you do that, the gates of hell will not prevail in your life and in your church. I believe it today. Are you excited about the gospel? Like, like, have you seen lives be transformed? Because when you watch a life that was like this, and now they're like this, there is nothing like it. We planted our church and we called it the well, based off John chapter four, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, I don't have time for it. But we knew that we wanted to be a place to give out the living water. Because we live in a generation that is thirsty for so many things, but what they need is the God thing. And so we, we knew that we're gonna be called the well and it's gonna be called, our, our vision was gonna be a church where all people, regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of your background, all people could be found by the grace of God. There's no one too far from God. Can I get an amen? You can be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit and you can be freed to love like Christ. And people laughed at us and said, that will never happen. You have your God mom and you have you. There's no way that could ever work. And they were correct, but unless the spirit of God shows up. Within five years, it's the fastest growing church on the Church of the Nazarene. I say that not to applaud myself on the back, but I say that to say, that's what happens when we say, send me, Lord. Are you with me today? Send me, Lord. But we don't have to go across the country, across the world. It goes, send me to the coffee shops, send me to the restaurants, and allow me to be the salt and light into the earth. Luke 12, 11 through 12 says this. It says, and when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to evangelize to somebody, but you're scared to death? If not, you're lying or you've never done it. I'm a pretty bold person, pretty outspoken. Don't get nervous very easily. I've had some times where I'm like, oh man. One of those times was when my dad was in jail. And I was early on in my ministry. I'm beginning to preach a lot, beginning to speak a lot and walk, you know, traveling around. And God had the audacity to tell me, now go to the jail and witness to your dad. I said, I'll go anywhere but there, Lord. Anywhere but there. Not the jail, but as my dad was in the jail. He goes, don't obey me. And I was like, nervous, man one of the toughest guys I've ever seen and, you know, I haven't seen him in years. And 
I go in there to the jail cell, and I'm like, well, here's the deal. Regardless what happens, there's a glass in front of me, so he can't get me, so that's good. And I walk in, and they sit me down, and, you know, the jail he was in, everybody knew who my dad was, and, all of a, you know, I can't really see his face, but I see his figure, and I, I see the orange and the handcuffs, and I'm so nervous. I'm like, Jesus, please, please. As soon as they flip the light on, my dad's just weeping. Toughest dude that I knew is weeping. <laughs> there wasn't, I didn't have a verse for that. Before I could get a word out, he just said, Deej, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for everything that happened to you. I'm so sorry for everything I put you in or put you through, but I love you. And I said, Dad, I want you to know something. God's forgiven me and I forgive you. And I want you to know, Dad, that, that God has a plan and purpose for your life. And see, as I was there in that moment, I was struggling to know the words, didn't know what I was going to say. God's provenient grace, was, which is a grace that goes before, was already working on my dad. All I needed to do was to go and tell him, listen, the things that you've been experiencing, God is with you. My dad calls me a couple weeks later, and he's very aggressive, you know, very, you know, just, and you can tell where I get that. He calls me and says, Deej. I said, yes. Get your Bible. I was like, what? He goes, get your Bible. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? So get the Bible. He goes, I want you to go to Psalms. I said, okay. He goes, I've never read Psalms in my life. I said, okay. He goes, are you there? I'm there, Dad. Quit yelling at me. He goes, these last night I was sleeping. He goes, and something, I think it might have been God, but something came over me and said, go to Psalms. And he went, you know, and he showed me the scripture. And he says, in the middle of the night, I'm there with you. He said, Deej, I was, I've been nervous about this court date, and I didn't know what that was. He goes, what was that? I go, that's the Holy Spirit. He goes, he's real. I go, yeah, Dad. He goes, all right, bye. See ya. I'm like, you're crazy. Like, truly, you're crazy. But I tell you that because God's already working on people. Like some of us are the ones who plant the seed. Some of us are the ones who water the seed. Some of us are the ones who go and collect the harvest. So it doesn't matter if you do the planting or the watering. What matters is that we do what God asks us to do in that moment. Are you with me? We are the good news. We must go and just be willing to be used by God. And I'm not saying that this stuff happens all the time where every single day I have a crazy story. Listen, those are great, but all we need to do is day in and day out, do what God asks us to do. And the will of God is the word of God. But if you don't have the word of God within you, you're going to operate based on your own will and your own doing. So we need to be renewed by the transforming of our mind and allow the Lord God to sanctify us through and through, be more more like him and less like us. And when that happens, God uses us. We're at a Bible study. We have a, I have two Bible studies on Wednesday because I'm really spiritual. I didn't want to do the second one, but I felt guilty, you know, guilty because I was a preacher. I'm like, I guess I'll do it, right? And so man, we, I'm in these two Bible studies and this early one, I'm there and it's with some of my family members and, and they're late every single time, Right? And so I'm sitting there drinking this, this coffee and I'm waiting on, you know, on our waitress to come up. And at this point in time, we had developed this relationship with her. And, you know, as she was coming in, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, ask her how her grandson's doing. I said, ah, it's early, you know, maybe the third cup of coffee, Lord, like, not yet. And he said, ask her how her grandson's doing. I was like, I don't always hear things like that. But she walked in. I said, hey, Shannon. She said, yeah. I said, how's your grandson doing? And it's in those moments you know that God is there. And she started weeping, and her daughter, who had been a year sober, just relapsed that week and was arrested, and her grandson is having a hard time. And she just started weeping, and I just put my hand around her and hugged her, and, you know, we, we had developed that relationship. You know, we tipped her good, right? We, we have loved her. We weren't just having Bible study. We were loving her. 
And I begin to pray over her and tell her, man, that God has a plan and purpose for her. And we're going to try to help her get her, sister, or get her daughter into rehab. Why do I tell you that here today? Because you know, God is not up there biting his fingernails, not knowing what to do. He's saying, who's willing to go? Are you with me today? Who is willing to go? Worship team, if you'll come. See, I'm going to go back to my environment. Actually, from here, I go to Utah, and we're going to go and speak to a bunch of Mormons, right? It'd be great. And that'd be different. And then I'm going to go home because I miss my wife and my new baby. I'm going to go home, and then there'll be different events, and those are great. I mean, I love traveling. I love preaching the word. It's incredible to meet different people, right, even in Oregon. <laughs> but the, there's nothing I love more than not just looking for the next event, not just looking for the next service where people expect the pastor to begin to preach about the gospel or say a certain thing. I love that on any given day, on any given day, at any given moment, God can use you, ma'am. He can use you, sir, in any moment to change somebody's destiny forever because you sat down and you listened. You know he does this. But see, we know the information. So the question is, why don't we do it? And I think that Matthew 24, 44 tells us why. It says, you also must be ready. Everybody say, be ready. All the time, not just Sundays. You also must be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. I started off by telling you that we must be ready and told you that Jesus came, the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples, and here we are today. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us, and Jesus will come again. Whether we pass away before he comes or not, only God knows. But what we do know is that we're here today, which means you have breath in your lungs and you're not dead. And when you understand that, and you understand the whole gospel story, and you realize that life's not just all about you, it's about other people, and he's entrusted us to go and take the good news and be the salt and light into the earth, it changes the way that we do life. So we know, if you're a Christian, we know the truth. We, we, we believe it has power. Some of us can reflect back to when God changed our lives, some we cannot, but, but the question truly is, what are we doing right now? Right here in this moment, are, are you embracing the call upon your life? You will not take your bank account with you. You will not take your education with you. What you will take is how you use everything that God gave you, your time, your talent, your treasure, for God's glory. It's not how many sermons Dylan preached. My, my biggest fear is that on judgment day, he said, man, you preached so many good sermons. It was good, but you just didn't live it out throughout the week. Who cares what you preach or what you post or what, you, what tattoo you get about your favorite scripture? That's great, all of it. But it's about what we do day in and day out. It's the dash between when you were born and when you die, and you will not get it back here on earth. Life is like a vapor. It's here one moment, it's gone the next. When you're young, you wish you were older. When you're older, you wish you were younger. So when did we miss it? It was never a certain age. It was never a certain season. It was embracing that God has me right here, right now for the plan and purposes, whether it's a valley low or a mountain high, it doesn't matter. It means God, I'll be faithful. I'm passionate about this because it changed my life. And I watch it change others. Dylan, I just don't have that story. Praise God, because your story will help someone else's story. Your story can change the outcome of someone else's. We must be ready. Boom. Because I got news for you. If we see the rapture, listen, I, I think it's literal, 
I can guarantee you, somebody's not like, man, I had one more season of my favorite Netflix show. Jesus, really? At least want to see you die off the crew, right? Man, I was almost done with my PhD. All great things. Oh, man, we just revamped the stage. Dang it. The color scheme is incredible. Man, if I would have just climbed that mountain, all that vacation, it would have done it. That tan would have been incredible. It's all good stuff, man. Love it all. Except for walking after I get done eating. I was in dress pants, okay? Nah, man. This wall have regrets. I'm not trying to get you beat up. Beat yourself up. Praise God, he forgives us and gives us new opportunities. But the question is right here is, I'll never be qualified enough. I'll never have this or this. But I can be used where I'm at and who I am every day. I'm going to end with this. My best friend was my cousin. I grew up an only child for most of my life. So Chet, my cousin, was my best friend. We did everything together. We were as thick as thieves, and we were thieves. Fought together. We did drugs together. We played ball. We did it all. God transforms my life. I'm trying to tell him about Jesus. He's not interested. I'm a youth pastor. Come back home. Planting the church. He decides he wants to be on board. We'd love to have you. I got to baptize him one morning. It was incredible. Never forget that day. But Chet had a severe drug addiction, and he, he was doing good at that point, but he had this behavior pattern that just, you, you knew when he was spiraling out of control. And so we caught him in a few lies, and me and three other dudes came around him, and I want you to know, don't just observe the need around you, get in with the need. And we sit there, and heads down and when he would begin to go downhill he would just hurt himself through different ways his face was all scratched and bruised and it was bad I sat there man and I just was looking at him it wasn't just about wanting him to go to church and do good it was about wanting him to find freedom in Jesus and I grabbed a water bottle and I just slung it hit the wall and he looked and I said Chet I love you man I said but I'm so mad because there's not a dang thing that I can do for you to stop you just put his head down two days later he gets arrested he's about to go do a 120 in prison and before he goes I'm, I'm meeting him at the jail place before he goes to prison and he's sitting there and I, I begin to love on him and Telling him about the good news in Jesus, saying, listen, man, this is just a setback. You're good. This don't define you, brother. You got this, blah, blah, blah. And he said a phrase I'll never forget. He looked up at me and he said, cuz, I'll get you when I get out. As hood slang for shut up right now, I don't want to hear it. I'll never forget. He put his knuckle up and I put my knuckle up. I said, I'll see you when you get out. 120 passes by and I text him because, man, you got to come alongside of people. Amen. Text him, say, hey, cuz, I know that food's terrible. Let's go get some good food. Nothing. I said, I'll even take you to Chick-fil-A, which is manna from heaven. Can't believe y'all just got that. What's wrong with you guys? You haven't even been living. Revival's really coming here now, believe me. Those waffle fries, man. Nothing. Okay. Saturday night, I'm about to preach. Next morning, I get a call from his dad. I've never got a call from his dad and, and he just starts crying at the top of his lungs. It's Chet. It's Chet. He's dead. DJ's dead. Hung up the phone. Get my family. We, we head there and the house where I grew up with him. I lived there for a time or two, man. And 
did drugs together. We did all that stuff in that house. But this time, it just caught up with him. There was cop cars everywhere, ambulances and all that. And my family was all frantic. And there Chet was in a body bag. And I just, man, it caught up with him. My best friend, man. And as I was looking at him, it was the grace of God in a way I've never felt before. God said, Dylan, that was going to be you. Not that I'm better than him or anything. No, I just, I, I stopped. But that was going to be me. So when I say that I was going to be in prison or died, that's how I know my whole family. He died as a result of a heroin overdose the day he got out. Two days later, I do his funeral, and he's in the casket. And as he's in the casket... At the very end, I'm looking at all of our old high school friends and all of these things. And <clears throat> as he's sitting there, laying there, under my breath, I made him a promise. And it was ultimately to God, but it was, it was the motivation. I said, I promise you, Cuzzo, I will spend the rest of my life. I will spend the rest of my life helping people know Jesus. I'm here today, man. Just for a second, I'm gone. But you're here. This is your life. What's it about? What's that dash represent for you? Between when you're born and when you die. You don't know. You don't have the luxury typically of knowing when you're going to die. So what are you going to do now? We can't go back, but we can sure move forward. Are you ready? There's two categories, and I'm going to end. You're either ready for God's return for all of eternity and ready to be used here on earth, or you're not. You ready, ready or not? Here he comes. What's your story going to be? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes, if you will. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you are the one that changes lives, not speakers, preachers. But God, I don't think it's by accident why I'm here today. Not because I'm anything, Lord, I'm just a messenger today. But I believe that those who are here today are here for a reason. And God, I don't care how rich or poor, young or old, how crazy how normal someone might feel in this place. None of that matters. What matters is a heart that is so set apart for God and they have such a pure, pure understanding of the gospel that they want to love you and love others with every ounce within them for every moment they have here on earth. But God, the sad reality is in a size, in a room this size, there's people who do not know you they might have heard about you. They might have went through the motions, but they do not know you. God, they are not ready for Jesus' return. If they were to die tonight, there's no telling where they would spend all of eternity. And this is not to scare anyone, but this is a reality that this is what we believe. And so how much should I hate somebody not to give them an invitation today? to go from death to life, to be reborn, renewed in one moment. So heads bowed and eyes closed right now. Man, if you know that you're not right with the Lord and this is not for your friend, this is not for your family member, who gives a rip what anybody says? This is between you and Jesus Christ. Man, if you know that you want to be right with Jesus, I want you to, to lift up a hand right here, right now. Lift it up. Lift it up all over this room, all over this place. Lift it up. We say, man, I, I, no longer, man, no longer. You can put it down. Father, I, I celebrate right now with these people all over this room who make decisions to follow you. God, it's not lip service. It's a heart change. God, praise God for this, God. We, you forgive all of our sins. God, you give us a clean state. But the reality of it is, God, we've got to walk this out. God, we have to come alongside people and help them with this journey. So God, we celebrate the, the lives that were transformed.
this morning. But God, right now, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking, I'm asking. I remember, Lord, man, 16 year old version who you saved. But God, I didn't have anything, man. Wasn't smart, wasn't anything. But God, I said, here I am. God, here I am. You use my brokenness, man. God, you use my inability. God, you use me. God, use me like the drugs use me. God, use me. God, change my family. God, change my community. God, just use me. God, use me. I'm ready, Lord. And I wonder if here today, right now, somebody's willing to stand up and say, God, use me. I'm done playing games. I'm done. God, use me. Use me, Jesus. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm ready. Whether it be the rapture or I die, I'm ready. I'm ready, Jesus. I'm going to spend the rest of my life telling anybody and everybody about the good news. When you're ready, I want you to stand. And don't just stand to stand. I'm saying when you're ready to go to war, let's go to war. What can God do? God wants to use you, man. You're a leader. Be a leader. God wants to use you, man. Be a leader for the kingdom of God. Listen, come up. These altars are open if you want. Man, lay your life before God here today. I know I'm the loud cousin from Missouri. I'm going home. Don't worry. But what does God want to do here in Oregon today? What does God want to do in this church today? Right here, right now. Father, have your way. Do what only you can do. Don't miss your opportunity. Don't miss your call.
Someone that raised your hand, we, we uh, two things. Man, we, number one, we want to journey with you. I, we, we have a gift for you. It's called Fresh Start Book. It's a great read. You can get it at any of our altars or our worship set, uh, our welcome center. And then I'd love it if you sent me an email, danderson at hillchurch.com, so we can follow up with you, journey with you. You don't have to be solo. Hey, it's tough. You can't. This is a journey we do together, and we just want to come around you and walk this path with you. So if you do that, I'd, I'd, I'd love it. This phrase that's come in my mind this week is, life's too short to do ineffective. Life's too short to do ineffective. I, I just, I don't want to do ineffective. Like every, I just want to, God, how do you want to use me today? How, how can I be effective for your kingdom today? This moment, this conversation, this lunch, this breakfast, this conversation, whatever. How, how, can you, how can you use me, right? I'm just, I'm done doing ineffective. Are you with me? My, my prayer is, is, is been, over the last few months, it's just been, God, you know what my mission statement is. I just want to be where God wants me to be in word, thought, deed, and place at each moment because if I'm there, that's good. God, I, I want to be wherever it's going to expand your kingdom the greatest. <laughs> that's, that's where I want to be. You just place me wherever that is, and that's where I'll be. That's where I'll go. That's where I'll stay. What, whatever it is, that's what I want. I want to encourage you to live with that attitude. I'm done. I'm done doing ineffective. Are you with me? God, just continue to pour out your Holy Spirit on us each one of us may we never forget who we were may we never forget whose we are now and, and that's a child of you may we live each day with this memory oh my goodness God you saved me for a reason and you want to use me to help everyone in this in my sphere of influence the people that you put in my sphere of influence who do not know you yet to come to know you so God use me today this moment God have your way in your mighty name we pray and ask amen and amen hey you're dismissed to go live it be a new Jesus in every way and every day see you next week